1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW group void prohibited by law. See terms and
1: conditions 18 plus. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by me, Ben Hocking, Sam Sage and Harry Ead. Final preview podcast of the season, the 22nd and last as we go into the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, where of course, if you hadn't heard, there is a championship fight in the midst. We've got Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen separated by a grand total of zero points. They are dead level with a winner-take-all scenario heading into the race. And Abu Dhabi, of course, have been the last race of the season for quite a while, but it's been a while since it's been this important. Of course, five years since we had a championship decider at this venue. Um, I mean, there was a race this last weekend, Sam. Did did you catch it? (laughs)
0: Um... I think I've had to go to some kind of counselling to move on with it, just like the rest of the F1 world. Because it was pretty traumatic, pretty horrid to deal with. Also, turns out, from one that listened to the, the review of that, you had to deal with this into Harry's fire alarm going off in the background. Harry, have you managed to sort the, the fire alarm?
2: No. Oh, come
1: <laughs> on.
0: God!
2: Uh, look, folks, it's low on battery. And and it's I thought it would just be a couple of AA batteries, you know, um, but no, it's like a it's like a like a block one. I, they don't have them at my at my Tesco Express near me, so I'm gonna have to go further afield for for this. But in the meantime, it's gonna have to beep. Honestly, he- to the person who who wrote it and, and and could hear that, that is some really A-grade hearing because I couldn't hear it on the recording, but maybe I'm deaf. Maybe it's from all that beeping that you you you're just deaf now. Sure, I think I have I have become accustomed to it. So apologies for for, the, for If you hear a few beeps, um, it's not an alarm going off.
0: It's not us. It's not us swearing. We're not swearing. Um, he just went there. He's just putting himself at severe fire risk. I didn't even
2: notice. I have never heard See? it. See, no. Okay, I'll point it out every time it goes off. <laughs> Great. Thanks, I can't for wait
0: that. for that for an hour.
1: And if you do have a couple of pounds to spare, uh, we are setting up a just giving page for Harry's new fire alarm. So,
2: um, I just want to clarify don't need a new fire alarm, just need a battery. We should set up a PO box. There we go.
0: We should get one set up. If you could donate a battery um, to the PO box, that would be great. Uh, And then we can all have better hearing because of it. Thank you.
1: Appreciate your support in advance, um, but we've got more to talk about, surprisingly, other than Harry's batteries. We've got a race to happen this weekend, so we'll get to the preview in a little bit. Uh, we're also going to be talking Kimi and it is his last race this weekend, well, allegedly, he'll be back next year, I'm sure, but... Apparently, his retirement is sticking, uh, and as a result of what will probably be a bit of a hectic uh, post-race podcast, we thought we'd give him his time in the preview podcast instead. Uh, We're going to be playing F1 overrated, underrated later on. But first of all, we will start with the Abu Dhabi preview. Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, dead level on points. It's very complicated how we've got to that point, but my question is rather simple. Sam, who wins?
0: So I was thinking about this, folks, if you don't know, Ben sends around a nice little topic preview for us lots to all look at and debate throughout the day, something we're gonna chat about, he's very organised like that. And Ben sent this over. And I the first thought that came to this was, you know, for the first time what's since nineteen seventy four, we've got a a deadlock tie going into the final race. Which is incredible. The sprint races actually play a part in making this a a thing. Um I hope that, you know. I'm glad they haven't decided it. I'm glad that we've got close enough that they haven't decided it. But they have contributed to this, so I'm going to give them their little moment of credit. It's all they'll get from me. Sprint races have done something good here. Who wins, though, is the real question. And this is why like... It's like... It's a 50-50 in real life, Ben. You've given me a 50-50 in real life, and we know how bad I am at those every single time I've ever been given them. I get them wrong. So, I assume I'll get this one wrong. Um... Hamilton still running the Brazil engine, the Brazil engine we, sh- we saw, the absolute sheer power of what it delivered, both at the Brazilian Grand Prix, which I argue isn't a power track, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, and at the um, Saudi Arabian track Jeddah, which, of course, first time we were there, it was a hugely power track, you know, that... that Last sector, the whole back half of the the track was all flat out, 79% full throttle. You had to have a strong engine to deliver there. And with the changes that we're seeing at Abu Dhabi, of course, we haven't run them. It's all been simulated done, but we've run a lot of the Abu Dhabi track. There's two very big straights, And the first sector as well is, I would argue, a high-power sector as well. It's only the last sector, really, that's quite slow and and meticulous. You've got to be quite careful there. Um, the, the, The changes that are being made are banked corners. They allow for more flowing corners, higher speeds to be carried through. So... I would argue there are some similarities to both Jeddah in terms of the layouts of speed and where it's delivered. So because of that, I think if everything goes to plan, we don't have any craziness, we just have a straight-up normal race where qualifying is normal, no one crashes, there's no red flags, there's no double-waved yellows where someone could go to the stewards, and then we have a normal race. I would put Hamilton at currently as the favourite. I think Momentum is going his way. I know neither of them are Momentum drivers, but, you know, surely... Where you've come back from that far behind in the points tally and you've won, was it, three races on the bounce now? You have got to surely see yourself as having that momentum, that favouritism going into the final race to deliver one final time. He's also got the experience, right? Seven-time world champ. The guy knows... I don't want the dances either for the seven-time world champ. If someone would like to create one, that would be lovely. Um, I'd want like an Egyptian, maybe? Oh, no, that's Sebastian Vettel, four-time world champ. Uh, you know, <laughs> surely Hamilton has the expertise and the ability to... Um, deliver right now, but Max Verstappen he's got that, that raw energy, we've seen the fight that he's willing to deliver, and I think Verstappen is going to do literally everything within his willpower to stop Hamilton being ahead, to stop Hamilton succeeding, I know I, I think that Horner, in terms of an interview that he gave Nick Week, has essentially binned off the Constructors' Championship, and I would not be surprised to see Perez deployed at any given point around the track, extra pit stops or what to slow people down It would not shock me if these tactics were deployed. So, if Red Bull get it right, if they get in the head of the Mercedes, if they can make the car competitive, um, as it was in Jeddah, uh, and they could deploy Perez, the disruptor, as we like to call him, it's going to be really, really difficult. But if everything runs to plan, I think Lewis Hamilton will come out as the eight-time world champion at the end of next weekend.
1: I mean, you say, um, you know, Verstappen has willpower, which actually uh, prompts my follow-up question to you, Sam what happens if Will Smith turns up and kidnaps Lewis Hamilton again?
0: Well, we saw what happened last time, right? It was a disaster for Mercedes. Um, He stole all the airtime. Hamilton was nowhere to be seen. The car didn't perform as expected. Max Verstappen is going to come out on top. So I imagine that Max has probably been on the phone to multiple high-class celebrities in Hollywood and gone, hey, man, if you could just fly to Abu Dhabi and all kidnap Lewis Hamilton, that would be great. And I think that might happen I think Drive to Survive could become a movie I just
2: I just want to know why Will Power is out with Max Verstappen in Abu Dhabi and not getting ready for the new indie indie season I, I, hang on a minute I've, I might have a
1: drum uh, effect to give you there um, you might just need to repeat that um,
2: oh, go on say it again oh, we're not cutting this out sorry I, this is staying in um, I, I was just wondering why uh, Will Power is out in Abu Dhabi with Max Verstappen and not getting ready for the new indie cut and he did it before I started. Trump coming up. coming early.
1: Good. We're late breaking, but just, we're already drumming. <laughs> I just knew it was going to be so good. Sorry.
0: Bloody oh. hell.
1: I thought if Ben's I press the early. effect, it's the last
0: preview of the season. Uh,
1: I thought if I pressed the effect, I then had to press play as well. But apparently, I just need to press it once. So it's, it's good to know for future use. <laughs> You can tell we don't use the soundboard often, folks. No, no, really need to utilise that a bit more. <laughs> Harry, same question, same answer or not?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I think very similar answer to Sam. I think uh, uh, a normal race, I think at the moment, the way it's looking with, with Hamilton's form and also the car he's got underneath him, uh, it's going to be fairly difficult for, for Stappen to, 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 to beat him. You know, he's through... Everything, maybe too much, at it in a Jeddah. Uh, but he certainly gave through everything at, at trying to beat him. And it um,
0: threw the back of the car at him. the so. well, kitchen
2: sink, yeah, yeah. Lit all of it, chucking it out of the back of the car. But um, yeah, yeah, he even, hasn't got a
0: house left. Even
2: then, even then, it was not enough to uh, to beat Hamilton. So yeah, under normal circumstances, I think it's it's a Hamilton win. Um, you know, it's it. It's, oh it beep Sam had like the beep there you go sorry for I that. heard it I heard it I try not to pause when there's a beep Um yeah it remains to be seen what you know the new changes to the Abu Dhabi track are like but those without those twisty slow 90 degree corners which suit the Red Bull uh I think maybe that advantage they may have had which they utilised here last year to win the win the last race of the season um I think they they may they may lose that with these new flowing, fast corners. So uh, yeah, we'll see. But um, under normal circumstances, I think it's Hamilton win. But and we're going to get onto this. Do not count out the disruptor, as Sam has already mentioned.
1: I think because of everything that happened at Jeddah, Saudi Arabia Grand Prix, it was utterly mental, as we all know. And and there were there were far too many things that happened for us to go through on our review podcast, as you would have learned. Um, But one of the side effects of that, one of the symptoms of that is that no one really paid attention to actually the pace of the two cars. It's been a it's been a leading factor of so many Grand Prix leading up to this point. And because of the amount of incidents that there were. Actually, who had the pace and who didn't have the pace, which should give us an indication going into this weekend, that was kind of put to one side to an extent. So I think it's worth revisiting how it actually played out at Saudi because there were a lot of predictions from both Mercedes and Red Bull camps that Mercedes would have a very strong advantage at the circuit. And whilst you might say that they did have that advantage, it certainly wasn't as clear cut as many were predicting it to be qualifying of course Max Verstappen if not for that final corner crash he ends up on pole and does it pretty comfortably as well so in qualifying at least Red Bull were not only there they they probably had the edge in the race it was a slightly different story of course we saw in the first stint Max Verstappen was never really threatening either Lewis Hamilton or even Valtteri Bottas in front of him. It was generally staying around that two second gap from Hamilton to Bottas and then another two seconds again from uh, from Bottas to Verstappen. So Verstappen wasn't really ever threatening when he was the driver behind. And when the roles were, of course, reversed and Verstappen was the one defending, Hamilton was consistently about one second or so behind Verstappen, Even before he made the overtake happen, he was occasionally getting within DRS range. So Hamilton behind Verstappen was much more threatening than Verstappen behind Hamilton. So I think overall, because of that, Mercedes generally had a bit of an edge in Saudi Arabia. But again, I don't think it was as much as was predicted. Going into Abu Dhabi, though, who knows whether it'll be exactly the same thing again. Maybe it will be reversed. I don't know. But what I do think is that qualifying is going to be incredibly important. And I would say qualifying and also the run down to turn one. But as we know, Abu Dhabi is not like uh, Mexico or Russia where slipstream really becomes a factor. The run down to turn one isn't a lengthy one at Abu Dhabi. So if you're you're taking pole position, there is a very good chance that you you are exiting turn one in the lead. So I think qualifying is very important for both guys. And I, I I know there are the two long straights, which, of course, are incredibly important. They're, they're pivotal to get those right. But actually, what I think is underrated at this circuit is how important that final sector is. If you can make up enough time in that final sector, you might just be able to negate the, uh, the ill effect of, of being slightly slower on the straights. So what I think might well happen is Hamilton and Bottas might well have the edge on Red Bull for the first two sectors of the lap. I then think the question is, can Red Bull get that advantage back in the final sector? I think based on how qualifying went in Abu Dhabi, uh, sorry, in Saudi Arabia, I think the same thing could happen in Abu Dhabi. I wouldn't be surprised if Max Verstappen can take pole position here, and I think if he does suddenly he has a big advantage because does Hamilton risk anything into turn one? Hey, we both crash into each other. We both DNF. Max is the champ. Verstappen has means to be very um, open to contact is what I'm going to go for if he's the one in the lead going into the first corner. So that's why I think pole position is really important. And actually, at this point in time, I'm going to say Verstappen. Bold I wouldn't say that's bold They're level on points Outside bet Could be Valtteri Bottas To win the the championship To win the championship I mean Not not the race Best driver of all time Damn right As you will know If you listened to our podcast a few weeks ago When Sam uh, completely voluntarily Actually gave up a number of reasons Why he loves Valtteri Bottas
0: yeah, it was volunteer. I volunteered. I, I It was entirely through my own choice.
1: Speaking of Mr Bottas and also Sergio Perez, the disruptor, do you think that they're going to have a part to play in who wins the title? Because we saw at Saudi Arabia, at least for the first in, Bottas, Bottas was there. Do you think that a similar thing could occur here, Sam?
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, the way that Valtteri Bottas... I mean, let, let's try and forget the red flags and the safety cars and all the crazy, crazy stoppages that we saw in Saudi Arabia. I can't see us having that same effect again in um, in Abu Dhabi. So if Bottas could do what he managed to do in... Saudi Arabia from the start, and sit behind Lewis, and we and we saw, right, we saw in turn one how close they were, Max had a good start, he was right alongside at one point, and Bottas did such a great job just covering off the other line into the corner, so um, the staffing or anyone else who may have been there really just couldn't get a run at at Lewis, but Bottas basically made himself the shield of first place, and once they, they got running, we even heard Bottas come over the radio and go... I don't want to be pressured from behind. I'm happy to stay where I am. and need Lewis to get on with it a little bit, just to open that gap up so I've got a good bit of space. Bottas was very comfortable with the pace. He was very happy to sit behind Lewis. He was keeping Max behind him very, very comfortably. Um, and I think he was doing exactly what he needed. Should that race run 100%, without any stoppages, I would have struggled to have seen Verstappen get past Bottas, let alone Hamilton, on a standard strategy or standard race pace. Bot needs could do exactly that again, and I think he can. And I think Sergio Perez, equal on the other side of the garage, is so committed to helping Max Verstappen. I think we saw it with uh, when his car, right, was, was off the track, and he was stood there lo- like a lonely man on the curbing, staring into the, longingly into the night, going, Just, just want my car? Uh, I imagine in Mexican, probably. Spanish is what they speak. No, there, he folks. has that accent. Um,
1: he has that accent.
0: Oh, oh good. Oh, yeah. la! I want my car um, I imagine I imagine um, Sorry Mexico and, and Spain um, Yeah anyway you know, Sergio even came out and said I want my car back I've got to help them win the title And I think Perez is 100% Switched on with the mentality of I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we win one If not both of these titles And we know Horner We know Helmut Marco. We know that those two together will pull any tactics out of the bag to make sure they can disrupt, they can throw off the pace, they can make it difficult at every single moment for Mercedes. And obviously, Max Verstappen just has to lead. If Verstappen is leading, then they will use Perez in every way possible to defend Verstappen, to disrupt the other two Mercedes guys, to cause problems that make their lives harder. And I think Perez will play ball. I think Perez knows that he needs to keep him sweet for one more season so he's all good and I think he's willing to play ball because I think he would love to walk away from his career with either a constructors or you know who knows next season a drivers you know that's that's bold but at least the constructors could be under his name as well and I think he'll want that so I think Bottas and Perez are pivotal in in deciding who
1: will win these championships and just so I've got this noted down correctly. You are predicting Sergio Perez to win the 2022 Drivers' Championship, yes?
0: After after Yuki Tsunoda and Pierre Gasly, yes.
1: Okay, um, just just making sure I heard that clearly from um, the guy who predicted Charles Leclerc would win the 2019 Championship. Um, I went on, on the record that was not a real prediction, everyone. Before you hold me to that for 12 months, <laughs> you made you made. I, I remember him. that being a real prediction, my friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hate the pair of you. <laughs>
1: Anyway, Perez-Bossas, do you think that they can interfere this weekend, Harry? Do you think they could help decide the championship?
2: Um, yeah, they've definitely got a role to play. I'm, I'm delighted to to say that I, it's probably not going to be on those two doing fastest laps at, unless Hamilton and Verstappen. I think I read it from Keith Colatane today from Race Fans who said that um, unless Hamilton and Verstappen are fighting over ninth. Then it's they're not going to need Perez and Bottas to do fastest lap. So, thank you, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, they've 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 got a job to do for sure. And as Sam already said, I think in Rebel's mind, you know, the, the constructors after Perez's retirement last weekend, it's kind of a bit too far out of reach now if they're having a normal race. So I think they're gonna. No, I don't think they're gonna start the race like that. But I mean, it depends what Perez qualifies. But they're gonna use Perez to be as disruptive as possible for Hamilton um, and then Bottas I think will we'll have to try and play the same role like you said Sam that you did last weekend just sit behind Hamilton and and be that sort of first line of defence from, from Max if he's uh, if Max is indeed behind the two Mercedes so um, yeah, they've definitely got a role to play it's going to be intriguing to see how it plays out maybe Perez and Bottas wipe themselves out trying to be disruptive but um yeah, it's gonna, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how it how it goes down. I think it. I, I really hope that they all qualify near each other on the grid. I hope Perez is up there. I mean, he was only one place behind them last weekend, but um, obviously didn't work out very well. But yeah, I hope they are. I hope they are the top four on the grid.
1: Yeah, I I think to start with Perez, it it is going to be qualifying based for him because that is his Achilles heel, and that is where. He he would let himself down here at Abu Dhabi, and really, he does need to be in that fourth position at worst. I don't hold a, I don't hold a huge amount of confidence that he will just based on the last couple of races. We saw he didn't get it at Saudi Arabia. He definitely didn't get it at Qatar. So whilst he can, whilst we he's shown that he can make his way back through the field and he can play out the long game, that that's absolutely fine for his own race. But that doesn't really help Verstappen's race at all. So qualifying-wise, he needs to be up there. And realistically, yes, based on the constructors' standings at the moment, I think Perez has basically just got to do something different, whatever it might be. If it looks like this weekend is going to be a two-stopper, he's got a one-stop. If it looks like it's going to be a one-stopper, he's got a two-stop. If it is absolutely certain it's going to be a one-stop, he needs to either do the opposite strategy in terms of tyres, go much longer. Whatever it is, he just can't do the same thing as the likes of Hamilton and Verstappen, in order to provide something different. Because, as harsh as it is to say, on pure pace, Perez and Bottas as well, they, they can't contend with Hamilton and Verstappen. So I think the only way they can that Perez can properly get involved is by trying something different. To Bottas' credit, he did a very good job in that first stint at Saudi Arabia, and I tend to agree that I think it would have been difficult for Verstappen to get past. I think if he did, it would have been strategically. I don't think he would have made the overtake on track, um, which should give him a a bit of confidence coming into this weekend. And of course, the plus point for Valtteri Bottas is he does have that qualifying edge on Sergio Perez, which means that even if he can't keep the pace for the entire Grand Prix, he's got enough that he can at least be a factor it's almost like one of those uh one of the like pace runners from the london marathon you know that they're not going to go to the end of the race but they're there for the first sort of half or so and and they do their job bottas might just need to do that as long as he can be disruptive hold verstappen up because we do know it can be seconds that decide the championship if if bottas being there means verstappen's not in undercut range that could decide it So he just needs to be a factor in that respect, even if by the end result, even if he's not second at the end, if he's done enough to prevent Verstappen from being first, then he's done a great job for his team. Um, and, And ultimately, he can hold his head high, knowing that at the end of this season, there was a serious battle for the Constructors' Championship and he did his job. He beat the second driver of Red Bull And he can hold his head high as he goes on to his his, his new career at Alfa Romeo. So I think, by and large, this will come down to the pure pace of the top two guys. However, yeah, Perez and Bottas, it is not outside of their scope to at least somewhat get involved. I will say just finally on this, Harry, you mentioned that fastest laps and probably not going to be a factor which is fantastic unfortunately we still can't say the same thing about sprint races so if Max Verstappen does win by fewer than five points we know that he's won this championship because of sprint races and my heart cannot take it not for my love or hate of Verstappen or Hamilton but for my pure disdain of sprint races
0: um Back to the topic at hand and not the sprint race hate. Um, do we think, obviously, we, we spoke a bit about how Verstappen, like we like you said, Ben, I think you politely phrased it, is maybe a little bit more contact comfortable. If it were to happen, he'd be more, you know, accepting of that situation. Do you think Toto Wolff and Christian Horner to their respective secondary drivers have gone, if you come up to X in Perez's eyes, Hamilton, Bottas's eyes, Verstappen, and you're going wheel to wheel, don't hesitate to get a little bit rough and ready. Because if, if Bottas goes out, but Hamilton wins the race after stopping Verstappen, they can still theoretically win the Constructors' Championship, right? So Bottas could could quite literally be the reason why Verstappen maybe doesn't end up on the podium if, if he gets his elbows out.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I believe both of them, both team principals, both teams will be telling their secondary drivers that that is the case to... Um, and I'm, I'm not saying either would tell the drivers or either would actually, or, or Bottas or Perez would comply. I'm not saying that they w- would ask them to crash, not for a second, but in terms of being as aggressive as possible within the rules of F1 or within the perceived rules of F1, because who knows what they are, honestly. Um, yeah, I think that they would be, I think they would give that message, yes.
0: Harry, you think they would be a little bit rough?
2: Yeah. I mean, Bottas—it's not really in uh, Bottas's nature. He's not when you wheel to wheel. He's um, often we see he doesn't get involved in in clashes. To be honest, um, Perez maybe more so. But but yeah, I, I can absolutely see that being a being a uh, a situation. I mean, ha- Formula One Twitter has been an awful an awful place over the past few days. It has. If Something like that did happen and the secondary driver knocks out the, the, the you know the championship contender on the other team, I'm going to have to turn my phone off for a few days. I'll have a lie down in the dark room. Because <laughs> I don't think I can handle that. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm going to sp- actually comment on that. Formula 1 Twitter, sort yourself out. You're a, you are a mess. And it's horrible being there. Um, don't nung of that on the late-breaking Twitter. At Breaking. if you'd like a nice place to be. Um, stop it. Be nice to each other.
2: We I'm just make make fun of stuff on our Twitter so we've got True. nothing no, yeah. no beef here, just chicken
0: no, we are vegans of the Twitter beef
2: it, sure
1: um, sorry I haven't got much headspace for that because I'm too busy contemplating Eddie Irvine taking out Jacques Villeneuve to give Michael Schumacher the 1997 championship, could you Could you imagine oh. <laughs> goodness me hypotheticals hypotheticals uh. um, Speaking of very much hypotheticals, we've got some bold predictions to get to because there's based on previous records, there is no chance that any of these are going to come true. So, Harry, what's your bold prediction?
2: Well, I thought I initially thought that I'll do a bold prediction about not the championship battle, but then I was like, you know what? We we uh, we don't yeah, get it, it's but,
0: one at a time, you know.
2: Yeah, well, we we don't get these these situations for for very often these days. This is the first proper championship battle we've had since Rob and Hamilton and the first team versus other team battle since Vettel Alonso 2012 I guess um, that's a long time uh, so I, I'm going to go for a bold prediction around the championship battle and that is that the lead between Hamilton and Verstappen will change on track, not in the pits not in trying to let people buy to get DRS or whatever, it's going to change on track between them six times
0: Six! As six. many as six!
2: Yep, six times.
1: Wow. So, six changes between Verstappen and Hamilton. That's yes. pretty can, can
0: everyone, Everyone in the Discord, who helps us out a lot with these, if you could keep count, please, because I will one forget, and... The, the race director will probably
2: mess it up anyway so I'm going to have my, my anyway. eyes glued to the tower on the left because there's no chance the race director's looking at it you know what it, it's impressive Harry
1: how you get so many things wrong do you know what's going to happen it will happen seven times <laughs> <laughs> it'll
2: be even better than I imagined
1: if it could happen to anyone it would happen to you to be fair, if you're wrong like that, Harry, yeah. I, I would be quite happy to
0: be wrong yeah. like True. that. That will that's make for a great championship decider.
1: What's your bold prediction, Sam?
0: So? I'm not going to be as cheery. I, like Harry, I was also not going to make a prediction about the championship fight. And then I thought, you don't get this opportunity often, so I'm going to make one about the championship fight. I think that neither Hamilton nor Verstappen will finish on the podium.
2: Oof, I are going to say the race, then. <laughs>
0: i oh,
1: am no, just the podium. Hamilton oh, gonna and in
2: the
1: they? Yeah, of course. Fastest
0: laps incoming.
1: Do you reckon they'll, they'll just be over team radio, like Toto Wolf will be like, Lewis, you can just go and win this race. That will give you enough points. No, I need to do it on fastest lap. Ben hates it, man. <laughs> just a, just a <laughs> screw with Ben's head. I need to do it on a fastest lap. All right. My bold prediction. So I've recently developed a strategy of going for things that I don't want to happen. And then if either I'm right or something good happens. So I've kind of gone with that strategy. I'm throwing that out the window this time. I'm going to go for something that I would quite like to see. And I'm probably saying this out of hope more than I think this is going to happen. But why not? It's the last chance I will ever make a bold prediction about this guy. So I think Kimi Raikkonen will finish inside the top seven. Oof. come on Kim. nice. Come I'd, on, I'd like to see it happen nice. last race of his career
2: does it count when you say finish inside the top 7 can finishing mean get to 95% of the race in the top 7 and then do something <laughs> for Alex no. at, the, <laughs> yeah.
1: at the checkered flag he will be 7th right. this will be the one race where he, he doesn't think it's race over 5 laps from the end <laughs>
0: <laughs> or crashes into his Badminton partner.
2: Yeah. Yeah, crashes into Seb. He's done that twice this year now.
1: Oh that was um, that was Seb's fault. That was um conspiracy theory to prevent a Kimmy podium. Um <laughs> <laughs> Pole okay. one two three, uh I'm gonna go to Harry first. I think Sam, yours might well be the most interesting based on your bold prediction, but Harry, what have you got?
2: Uh I'm gonna go for a Hamilton pole to Hamilton win even though they sort of places six times Hamilton win uh, Verstappen will be second and Charlotte Clare will be third all right uh, my poll one, two, three. I, I
1: shared your poll one, two, three last time, Harry, and it worked out well for us, which, of course, makes sense that in true late-breaking style, we're not adopting a winning strategy here. And I'm going completely off piece based on what you've done. Um, like Ferrari. In, in fairness, actually, it's not far off what you've got. But I'm I'm going with a Verstappen pole position. I'm going with a Verstappen win. I've then got Lewis Hamilton in second place. And I'm actually agreeing with you on third place. I'm going with Charles Leclerc in third What's your one, Sam, that doesn't involve Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen <laughs> on the podium?
0: I think that Max Verstappen will get pole position. I then think Valtteri Bottas will win when oh, we're saying he's Grand Prix. Come on, Valtteri! More botties, please. I think Sergio Perez will be second. And you know what? I'm going to join you. Got Leclerc third on the podium.
2: No chance of Leclerc being on the podium. Yeah, there, this sir. is where science finishes. We are finishes so wrong. Sorry,
0: Charles. <laughs> We've ruined it. He's going to crash it in like the first three seconds of the it's race. Like going to absolutely ruin
2: him all weekend.
1: All right. Well, there there is your um, weekly update of what's not going to happen this weekend. So glad to fill you with that information. We'll move on to our second topic, which is based on uh, Kimi Raikkonen. So Kimi Raikkonen this weekend will be entering his 353rd race. Uh, But also it should be his last race if he stays true to his retirement. I say it sceptically because I don't think F1 does exist without Kimi Räikkönen. And also the last person who retired was Fernando Alonso. And that didn't go very well. So who knows? But at 42 years old, it seems like finally Kimi Räikkönen is going to hang up his racing boots. Harry, just based on his career, he, more races than anyone else. Former world champion, multiple race winner, of course. Podium—I can't remember how many podiums he's got. It's a
2: lot. How's he going to be remembered? Um, I hope he's remembered for for um you know, two thousand and five, two thousand three, two thousand seven version Kimmy, because that's absolutely how he should be remembered. You know. We watched the other day on our on our Patreon watch along Join Patreon if you want to join in. And um, we watched Suzuka 5 and he is he's from the back, and he's he's absolutely smashed everyone, including Fernando Alonso and Schumacher. Uh, and Alonso overtook Schumacher around one thirty R, and they those two didn't win the race. It was still Kimi. So I hope he's remembered sort for just that pure speed that that made him well made him so quick? Quick back it back in the early noughties or mid to late nineties. So um, I hope that's what happens. I fear he he won't be remembered for that. He he'll be more remembered for for the sort of mean king that he's become. And that's not to say he's not loved, but I think it often takes away from actually what a great driver he is. And you know, in his latter few years, at Alpha he's definitely you know fallen off the pace a bit, and maybe that's a lack of motivation as well. Driving around in the Alpha, which after 2019 I think where he was having a pretty decent year the performance of that car has somewhat fallen off um, but you know yeah I, I hope he's remembered for, for that for that pure speed and no no nonsense attitude because it's what we love Kimi for um, you know he's probably we made the comparison to Verstappen the other day but he's one of just the only just pure racers on the grid I'd, I'd say in terms of he only does it because he just likes racing, he, and that's why he he left because I don't think he had an opportunity to stay in another team that gave him a good opportunity. So he ended did rallying for a bit, and then the opportunity came back. So he just followed where there was a good race, basically. So yeah, I hope he's remembered f- for that. Um, and we are all gonna we are all gonna miss Kimi. There was a great video on Alfa Romeo's Twitter the other day of them, uh, Kimi and Giovannazzi doing like a. Sil- they had headphones on listening to loud music and they had to guess what the other person was saying and Kimmy was roaring with laughter I don't think I've ever seen him laugh that much so if you want to see Kimmy laugh it's like the most wholesome thing I've seen in a long time so everyone go and watch that because it made me feel very nice on the inside after the the crap fest that was Saudi Arabia GP to give that an official
1: name um...
2: that's what I've landed on that's the one I'm going
1: for i I not disagreeing with you, but...
2: 2021.
1: No, no disagreement from my side. <laughs> Sam, how, how do you think Kimi Raikkonen is going to be remembered?
0: Um, I I disagree with Harry. I think he won't be remembered for his pacing, you know, 03, 05, 07. You know, he came so close to a couple of titles, I would argue that he didn't get lucky in 07, but he was kind of there to pick up the pieces and he delivered that brilliant wing in Brazil on the final day to to win the championship by one point. And I don't think that that championship is actually looked at enough. It's a pretty mega championship. And McLaren kind of self-destructed with Alonso and Hamilton behind the wheel. Of course, it was Hamilton's debut season. And Raikkonen comes along in Ferrari. The last time Ferrari, of course, we've discussed it before the podcast, the last time Ferrari won a title was with Kimi Raikkonen in 2007. Um, I, I think a lot of the newer generation in in Formula 1, those who have started watching since the hybrid era won't remember Kimi for that outrageous pace, for that blistering ability around the track to claw back results out of nowhere. Uh, I think they will remember him for being a bit sassy over Team Radio, like that time you know he won where we're going, of course, this weekend in Lotus, and his engineer was there going, I'm going to keep you informed of the gap. Uh, Alonso is behind you and he's gone, shut up, I know what I'm doing. You know, leave me alone. I know what I suppose could do. That famous line that, that Kimmy comes out with, I think he'll be remembered for... Um, do you remember the time where we had the red flag in Malaysia and he got so bored of it, he went and just got a Coca-Cola and an ice cream and just sat there having a drink and an ice cream? I think, you know, moments like that, you know, where he sat there holding the truth and lie with Seb. They're great moments. when oh, like he's so drunk at the the driver's um, award oh, ceremony geez. after the season is just hanging off of people. But it's hilarious because it's Kimi. Um, and I've, I've never been Kimi Rikings biggest fan. And I'm, you know, I'm always happy to say that. I think he let himself down when he came back to Formula 1. I don't think he ever lived up to his potential that he had before that. And I was a bit disappointed that he didn't. Um, and he also was bankrupt Lotus single-handedly, which is quite impressive. For
1: being um, good? Well, like, you can't blame him for yeah, that. It,
0: he was good, not great. He never achieved what he could have achieved. And I think he could have. He could have been a, a multiple-time world champion. And he, ne- he never went his way. And he never really fully delivered at the end, I don't think. So, I think Kimi will be remembered for being a meme. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think in his own way, he's a proper laugh. And I would love to spend a, a day with Kimi Räikkönen. I love that when he DNFs at Monaco, he goes and sits on a yacht. He doesn't go back to the team base. You know... I love that about Kimmy, he does not care what any of us thinks, if he was to listen to this podcast, he wouldn't give an absolute rat's bottom what we're saying about him right now, and I love that about him, I absolutely love that about him, and there is a bit of me that will very much miss that pure, just want to be in the car, driving quickly, and then go home at the end of it, don't want your media attention, don't really need your social media comments, just want to have fun behind a fast car, and then leave at the end of the day. And I, I, I do love that about him. He's no fuss. He's no frills. And I think that's a Kimi Raikkonen that people will know and love. Um, but if you are new to the sport, go and have a watch of his old stuff because it is, as the guys have said, pretty bloody phenomenal what he used to do.
1: I think overall my opinion on Kimi Raikkonen, his legacy, how he will and should be remembered, it largely mirrors what Harry said, to be honest. Um, I, there is a definite difference between how I think he will be remembered and how he should be um I think he will be remembered for the quote meme side of things um because his career has spanned you know 12 decades um, to the point where a lot of people don't remember the first part of it and I think the second part of it might well be remembered a bit more in years to come um i I appreciate what you say Sam in terms of it not being necessarily a bad thing he's definitely developed his own niche in f1 i guess you could say um even so i i I would prefer him to be remembered for that outright pace he had in his first say five six years of his career when he got back yeah it, it never was quite the same again and i was fairly critical of Kimi raikkonen in his ferrari years he got dominated by alonso fairly soundly beaten by vettel And when you're losing to other champions, your your contemporaries, it doesn't look great, and that's why I've always felt that that Kimi Räikkönen is is not on the same level as Alonso. He's not on the same level as Vettel. But even so, that's more out of that's not necessarily related to his ability. It's more related to how isolated his ability was to his first few years of his career. I would have just loved to to have seen him retain that raw pace in 2005 all the way through to 2015, 16 and onwards. I actually think, and I know this is not necessarily universally agreed, I think he's had a pretty good year this year. I think he's done a good job. But, yeah, he's not the same as, as what he used to be, which you know, at 42 years old is, is, is fairly acceptable. I have to remember with Kimi Raikkonen as well is that he's a one-time world champion and I, I take your points on board Sam that, it, I don't want to say it fell on his lap, but he was definitely helped by infighting at McLaren I have to remember that he was, he was very close to being a three time champion as well, you know, 2003 he took that to the final day against Schumacher at Suzuka, and 05 you know, if only that unreliable, infamous unreliable Mercedes engine just, just held up, you know sort it out, Merck, you'll get there one day Come but, on. Yeah. Come on, Mercedes oh,
0: biggest letdown was an F1 do you remember
2: Norbert Haug? yes, Good old good old Norby, what Big I mean, Norb. Big I mean Big Norb, yeah. Um Big
1: always, Norbs.
2: Big Norbs. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna look it up. So what yeah,
1: Nor- how cool. Could have easily been a three time champion. Um but yeah, I I I and, and to the people that say that Kimmy Räikkönen will be remembered as this guy that basically didn't care, it's important to remember that that is a blanket term that is false. He did care and does care. It's about what he cares about. Media commitments. Yeah, he doesn't care. You're right. But there is a reason that he is in Formula One in a team that has absolutely no hope of podiums, let alone wins at the age of 42. And that reason is not because he doesn't care. He does care. He, he loves racing. He would have left... Ferrari at the end of 2018 and gone into retirement if he didn't love racing the same way that he does there aren't many drivers who are 42 years old and still an F1 and there's a good reason for that, he does have that motivation it just comes out in a slightly different way than standard
0: Speaking of Robert Haug he's also retired
2: Just doing nothing just chilling
0: even yeah. Kimi will probably just chill out together now I bet. also, yeah. spe- a, speaking of Kimi little little Kims Uh, On their way, right? Both his son and his daughter are uh, proper carters at a very young age, have their own track made for them. They're looking pretty quick. So the Raikkonen game might not be out of Formula One for forever. We'll see.
1: Who knows? It would be uh, just a random one. Wouldn't it be quite incredible if uh, an older Max Verstappen got to race with Kimi Raikkonen's kids?
0: Oh, Rikens, You would
1: have you would have Yoss and Kimi racing just about at the same yeah, time, and then you'd have, yeah. It, that, yeah, I, but I imagine
0: just... if Mick was also still there, right? You'd have Mick Schumacher and Max Verstappen against young Räikkönen, rather than old Schumacher and <laughs> old Verstappen against young Räikkönen. That's how that, strange.
1: That plays with your brain, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, word. that's that's oh, weird.
0: Wow. Imagine if Hamilton managed to have a kid in against a couple of years.
1: Oh, Lewis Hamilton will still be there himself. He's, he's not giving up yet.
0: <laughs> August 32nd title.
1: Yeah. Cheers, Bono. Bo- please let me retire. Please. Bono
0: 84. Just please
2: let me go. retirement fund. Doing his, doing his pit bull from the retirement home.
0: Bono, be walking stick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's move on to everyone's favourite team, Ferrari. Um, it, it's not official that they have finished third this year, but it would take a monster effort from McLaren at the last race in order to stop them. So it's fairly safe to assume that they will be third by the year end. Um, and Bonotto is in a philosophical mood. Um, he's been thinking about the third place and saying that finishing third should give Ferrari serenity. What a what a beautiful word, Mattia. Well done. Um, So do you think that they should be calm and content about finishing third this year, Harry?
2: Um, Look, they are Ferrari, so they shouldn't be just aiming for third. Uh, We consider them to be one of the top teams in F1. But I guess considering where they were at the beginning of 2020, or at least at the beginning of the 2020 season... Although they were having troubles in testing, that was clear back in the February twenty twenty. If you consider where they were then, um, and how that year played out, I guess third place this year is uh, good is good for them, and especially if it is to believe that they have not done a huge amount to that car, and it's all been on twenty twenty two. I've seen a lot of a lot of people saying that they they think Ferrari are going to be back with a a vengeance. It remains to be seen but back with a vengeance in 2022 because they've put so much effort into that car this year Um, so yeah I I guess in that sense yes serenity, I mean lovely word, strange one to choose but um, yeah I'm I'm sure they they can take that away, I guess it is a it's a good um, it's a good recovery, they were never going to be challenging the top two teams Red Bull Mercedes straight away again this year and like I said they've all been putting their eggs in one basket for 2022 but um yeah so i guess in that sense yes but but as a whole ferrari shouldn't be really happy with third place i don't think um but yeah sure take your serenity here i'll give it to you sunshine i mean for a, a, a little while i wasn't looking like you're going to get third um but you've managed it although there's still every chance they could balls it up it is ferrari
1: they'll find a way they always do um but even even they would struggle from this point. Sam, do you think third is acceptable? Do you think they should feel all right about this?
0: I think the word serenity needs to get put in the bing, wherever Bangotto puts his bings, first three letters of his name is Bing. He needs to work out where one is, because that is a, it's a joke.
1: You, what Absolute have you got joke. against the word serenity?
0: I, I've got an issue with it when Bangotto uses it to describe <laughs> Ferrari, because... Serenity is far from what they have got over there in Italy. Oi, Matteo, listen to this, sunshine. You were challenging for the title in 2018. Sebastian Vettel was the closest man, apart from now Max Verstappen, to bring down Mercedes and Hamilton in the whole hybrid era. And then you have had a travesty of a time. You spend more money than anyone else in the whole sport, and you still can't even get near the top two year on year on year. Honestly, mate, it's a yoke. It is a yoke. People, Ferrari are, they, they love to think that they are the biggest and the best of all time. Your you, you real success, you've had it in like two pockets, and then it's, you know, when Formula 1 was formed. Honestly, step up, do more. You've got so much expenditure, so much resource, so much, you know, presence. And you're thinking that third is all right. Yes, it's progress from the absolute diabolical season you had last year, but that was a mess. And this season is just a bit of a better mess. I think if they had been third place for the last three years after their title challenge, but were still this far off the title, it would be a massive disappointment. This third place only looks good because of how bad last season was. The fact that Red Bull have been nipping away and nipping away and nipping away, and now they've brought both championships down to the last race. Red Bull have been way closer and more successful than Ferrari have for a long time, it feels like. Um, and I don't think many people will argue with me, unless you're a die-hard Ferrari fan, which, all right, fair enough. Serenity is the wrong word, and I think serenity shows maybe a bit of complacency. Uh, I hope that new car, with the new regulations, is an absolute weapon with the amount of resource and money they throw into it, because it should be. And do have an excuse for it to not be an absolute weapon. Um, they need to be challenging for races, they need to be challenging for wings. and only when this budget cut has properly settled in for a long time they get the same resources every single other person, and every other team, do they have an excuse for being third as an all right season. Ferrari, you should be doing more, and I think that progression may be a slightly more acceptable word, but serenity, I give you serenity, Matteo, when you've actually won a title, because that hasn't happened for 14 seasons. Um, So when you accomplish that again, Serenity I give you. But right now, mate, you need to buck up your
2: ideas, Sunshine. To be fair to Mattia, he, he has won championships with them, just not his team boss.
0: Yeah, but I, you know, I'm talking about Ferrari and his comics on Ferrari. 14 years. It's long. Then, are you going to do that fact now? Can I get Statman ready?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm... Obviously, it hasn't been a perfect season for Ferrari, uh, albeit better than last year. Provided they don't win at Abu Dhabi, which seems fairly likely that they're not going to. It'll be the first time since 1992 and 1993 that they've gone back-to-back years without a win. Stop, man! Thank you very much.
2: Thank you.
1: I think overall how you look at Ferrari's season is all about context, really. Because in the context of last season, yeah, it's fine. And given that we're at the end of this technological cycle, I guess you can call it, you couldn't really have expected them to do better than what they've done this year, I don't think. Considering where they were last year, considering where Mercedes and Red Bull were last year, I don't think anyone came into 2021 thinking that anything better than third was was possible so I think given the context given the circumstance yeah fine they've done their job in that respect but the real problem is how third is acceptable in the first place the real problem is how they got themselves in such a hole last year that the best they could recover to was third this year really the the eyes have to go towards last year and how that completely fell apart of course, you have to bear one thing in mind, is that it is third place, but it's a very distant third as well. So no wins this year. Closest was obviously Silverstone with Charles Leclerc. But other than that, and haven't really been knocking on the doors of wins all year. So whilst it is a third place, it's not like it's a a close third it is a very very distant third as you've already referenced as well it was in doubt for me- much of this year and it looked like mclaren were going to claim that spot so um it- it's not brilliant um I-, I just think overall because of the context yeah th- they can probably be about as satisfied as they can be given the given where they started last year uh, but that is not gonna that excuse is not gonna work in 2022 if, the, if they are in the same position next year, they are still this far behind the top two. There are no excuses because you've got a brand new car. You've got all the resource available to you to develop a beast. And at that, at that point, you wouldn't have done so. I, I'm not necessarily saying I'm giving them a pass this year. I'm just saying that they couldn't have done much more based on it being the end of this technological cycle and to be honest it would have been very Ferrari if they turned around this year and had a belter of a car and then realized they hadn't started on the 2022 car and turned up with an actual digger next year nice of course sponsored by JCB Aston Martin aren't they yeah
0: so they won't get a JCB
1: True. Um, and of course they can't turn up in a red digger next year in case they get done for copyright infringement from Haas.
0: Oh, oh, oh sorry. Have we, got any, have we got any savlong? I'm going to need to apply that to a burn. You almost said
2: So nearly said
0: Gaviscon. Uh, indeed, I nearly said Gaviscon, gonna, which I have got upstairs. That ain't going to help. <laughs> that will help the heartburn I'm feeling deep inside.
1: Well, Sam, good. prep yourself up with some Gavaskorn because you've got some singing to do next. We're gonna play <laughs> F1 Overrated, Underrated, and this time I will remember. I will remember when using the soundboard, I only have to click it once.
0: Overrated, underrated. What answers do we give? What way will they go? Overrated, underrated. What are weak shoes? Come and see the show. Overrated, underrated.
1: It's a, it's a oh, good it's jingle. Joyous it's a good jingle it's up there compared to a few it might be my favourite yeah so F1 overrated underrated a very simple game we've got three different topics in front of us they can be drivers tracks pretty much anything to do with Formula 1 and we will rate whether they are underrated or overrated or maybe just about right We're going to kick off today's one with a pretty relevant one, given what happened at Saudi Arabia. So uh, we saw that the tyre rule was enforced when there was a red flag. Of course, you can change your tyres under a red flag. If drivers have pit beforehand, they're at a massive disadvantage, such as Lando Norris, who was pretty vocal about this rule afterwards. Uh, Whereas if you haven't pit, you've basically gained a free pit stop. So, Harry, do you think this rule is underrated or do you think it's overrated?
2: Um, I think it's overrated because I, I completely see the argument. I guess the point is, is it's it's not a new one. It's happened a lot. It's happened a lot in the past, and you know, a lot of people were crying. I, I know Hamilton still won, but a lot of people were crying out that it wasn't fair on Hamilton and Mercedes because they pit under the safety car, and Red Bull made that gamble. But then he he his car at Silverstone under the red flag, uh, you know, so. um yeah i'll go for overrated because i can see i can definitely see the argument here um the race is effectively neutralized paused uh so why unless there's damage or unless it's changing conditions why 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 should you be able to you know change the tires on your car i think you should have to do it the same way that the other drivers um have done it and you know if if yeah the weekend if if there hadn't been a red flag the gamble for red bull was was would have been horrific because i think Verstappen would have lost out heavily so yeah i i don't know i'm torn because it, it's been there for a while and 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 you know it's it's not a new one so i i, I don't see I, I i get why people are complaining but it's not new but i'll go for overrated because like i said i think i think the race has been neutralized so You shouldn't be able to touch the cars. I know it's not on park firm anymore, but you shouldn't be able to do stuff to your cars unless it's damaged or changing weather.
1: Yeah, those are the two caveats I would add to that. But I would also say overrated. Um, I will say I think the rule itself is overrated. um, But people that are mad at this is kind of what you're saying, Harry. I think the people that are mad at the actual application of the rule. I'm not quite sure where you're getting at because yes, it didn't benefit Lewis Hamilton this time, but it has done before. I, it, that's how it works, and it's it's a very clearly written down rule, um, so you can't be mad at them for applying it. Be mad that it exists in the first place—that's absolutely fine. Um, but you can't really blame them for following through on this. Um, but ultimately, yes, I, I I think it's I think it's overrated, and uh, you yeah, know I I said at the time when Schumacher went into the wall. I, the first thing I said as soon as it happened was I wouldn't pit here because I think the red flag is coming. Um, and you know, if I can see that happening, me being incredibly blind and incredibly stupid, then surely the team strategist can see that as well. Um, and if you, it's all part of the game. It's all part of strategy. But I think Lando Norris is spot on. I, I don't think it should be a rule. So I would say overrated as well. What about you, Sam? Uh, I'm going to disagree with you both. I'm going
0: to say the rule is Rated, um, and that's only specifically the tyre rule itself. Uh, I have more disagreement with changing large components of the car and gaining a huge advantage. For example, your front wing was ripped off by the person, let's say, that's crashed into the wall, and the red flag's been brought out, and you happen to be in third place instead of getting a full repair done under pit stop rules, which would you to the back of the grid, you get to sit there in third place in the grid to have a whole repair done to you, and you get to come out scot free. Um, I think tyre changes are exactly what you said at the end there, Ben. They are part of the strategy. If you're on a street circuit or something like that, you know there's an increased risk of red flag. You play the same card with a uh, a safety car. The longer you go on your strategy with, um, you know, a, a different tyre strategy, you might run the mediums an extra five, ten laps longer than everyone else in the hope that actually, if a VSC a safety car or a red flag come out, you're immediately brought into play. It's a viable strategy technique. I can totally understand why people have moral issues with the results it produces, but we are looking at this as a rule, and as a rule, I have no issue with it, really. Um, you should take that into account. Do I like what it does to some drivers? Not really. I don't like that Lando Norris was absolutely you know, sent to the back of the grid for trying to be clever but like you said Ben I looked at that that incident as well with Mick Schumacher and said that will be a red flag he's ruined the barrier it's on a street circuit it's a red flag and the moment Hamilton came in and whatnot, I thought that's a mistake um, and it turned out to be fortunately he still went on to win the race for his sake but I thought it was quite clear so I think the rule itself that's right the rule itself not the whole situation is rated do I think that what happens to drivers is fair not necessarily but That's a different conversation. The rule itself, for me, rated.
1: Moving on to the next one. Um, Again, somewhat related to the race that happened last, but more of a generic one. Uh, Fast sweeping sections of racetracks. So, let's say, something like the middle sector at Mexico, that sort of vibe. Do you think that that sort of a section of a racetrack is overrated or underrated, Sam?
0: Uh, I think they are massively underrated. I know they don't produce immediate overtaking uh, opportunities. Although I do think if the new... Oh my God, Harry's destroying his entire room! What is Um, going on? He's so (laughs) angry at my decision.
2: I thought um I thought I might get away with that but but I've got a little calendar on my desk and it and it fell off and I thought don't worry it's it's light it won't make a noise and then it sounded like the earth was collapsing on top of it It did
1: registered on the Richter it scale.
0: Did. <laughs> I have so sad. earthquake in London um I'll get back to my point thank you um fast sweeping sections no I think I think they're absolutely fantastic I think yes, with the new regulations theoretically they should also be a lot closer a lot more. You know, run side by side. It could create some absolutely brilliant racing. But even in the current uh, format of racing, it exercises what I think Formula 1 is all about. Precision precision driving. I can't say the word precision, which is ironic. Uh, Precision driving, aerodynamic capabilities, your chassis, how the engineering works in Formula 1, because it's not just about driving. It's the pinnacle of engineering and design as well. And I think complex is like... Maggots and Beckett's, the S's at um, Suzuka are absolutely fantastic as well. Those really famous sets of corners are crucial, I think, to Formula One. And I think they're actually underappreciated. Because of the era we've just seen, they were maybe slightly adverse to -to wheel-to-wheel racing. But I think you have to be as good to conquer those as you do to go wheel-to-wheel and getting a move done to be a successful racing driver. I think they're brilliant. And I'm hoping, again, with the regulations, the cars can be closer to maximise that. But, no, I love them. They're underrated, I think.
1: Harry, overrated underrated?
2: Yeah, I I think with the current formula we've got, I'm going to go with underrated, because I think a lot of people give fast, sweepy corners a lot of stick. What I will say is, though, you've got to have fast, sweepy corners with with slow corners like hairpins or at least chicanes to go with it on your racetrack. Looking at you, Saudi Arabia. Because (laughs) um, otherwise... I I I know, I don't know we had some good racing in Saudi um, I guess um there was a few a few good moves but um otherwise you run the risk of of uh, it it becoming stale the racing becoming stale and again this might change next year with with the new rules um but yeah I, I'll go with underrated because I think they actually get a bit of a bit, bless them <laughs> these sort of corners they get a bit of uh, <laughs> bless
0: those fast corners get a
2: bit of stick from from F1 fans because you know they might come away from a Race and blame those corners for 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 the lack of action so um yeah i'll go for get go for underrated but like i said with that with the caveat that a racetrack's got to have a bit of bit of both bit of fast sweepy and slow tighty <laughs> got
0: it right can we get that like a t-shirt please fast well, sweepy slow
1: tighty <laughs> super brilliantly wrapped up point as ever um <laughs> Which is ironic because I'm I pretty much agree with you 100% with that caveat in mind. Uh, yes, I think they are underrated, and I think if you if you look at the issue right now, it's not the corners themselves; it's it's the formula. And hopefully, 2022 proves that, um, but that remains to be seen. I think if you were to judge a racetrack just based on the overtaking opportunities and nothing else, and you were just to refine a racetrack based on that, you would end up with a square. You, you just end up as, with a square with four, you know, corners, and just straight. And who wants to race around a square? SpongeBob SquarePants, possibly, but other than that, I don't think anyone else does.
0: They just wear them. Yeah, they just wear the tracks,
1: which is problematic. You know, we don't want, we don't yeah. want ca- cartoon characters wearing our circuits. At the end of the day, do we?
0: I mean, they just wear it as a belt. We just race around SpongeBob's belt.
1: I didn't see this point going in this direction, but here we are. Yeah, I think they are underrated based on the reasons you gave. Won't say anything more. And lastly, we're gonna go with uh one time world champion, Jensen Button. Overrated or underrated Harry Eid.
2: Um uh, this is tricky, I was thinking about this. And I wasn't very sure, but I'm actually g- going to go for underrated, and not because I think we should start calling Jensen Button one of the greatest drive, you know, greatest race drivers of all time. Um, but I I feel like he he doesn't receive maybe the the correct amount of praise for for some of his some of his uh, efforts, particularly in his McLaren days, and you know he is only a one-time World watch. I say only. That's you know I didn't mean it like that, but. But he's he's of that category. But I think he 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 showed that he had he's an absolutely quality driver, and maybe his latter years in that pretty poor McLaren um, may people may people forget that. And even in those days, even in those uh, races like 2016, he had he had a couple of belting races in there as well when that car was in places it shouldn't have been. So I'm gonna give go with underrated. Um and not, as I said, not suggesting that he needs to now be ranked among like Lewis Hamilton and Mark Schumacher etc but I'm just saying uh, uh, maybe he doesn't quite get the, the praise that he deserves
1: Alright and if you are in our Discord chat I would please invite you to at Harry and call him out for his British bias um, because I'm sure yeah. that is a valid response
2: Bloody love Brexit me
1: <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt
2: <laughs> Clip that, clip that, yeah clip that you can't say clip that because I'm the one who clips it, so it's not oh. going to be clear.
1: Yeah. That, oh, he, he raises that, a good point, yeah. you know.
0: If you notice that there's never any poor Harry clips that come out of this podcast, it's because he does them all. Yeah.
2: No, folk, I I, uh, I leave myself unedited for you. In
1: fairness, the alternative, to is, over the it. alternative is we could pick up the editing, which isn't going to happen. So, you know, we've got to live with <laughs> My it. My
0: internet is too bad to pick up the editing you'll never get a podcast We will get one a year
1: yeah we've actually just done the Austrian review it'll be out uh, in a couple of days
0: yeah yeah, from 2020 yes
1: exactly
2: <laughs> first race of the season
1: oh. yeah last year honestly Barrichello slowed down and Schumacher was allowed to win <laughs> what's up with that <laughs> Oh, overrated underrated Jensen Good. Button what are you saying Sam uh,
0: I'm going to go with rated, and I'm actually going to, if I had to lean my head one way or the other, I would lean it towards overrated. Uh, but I do think he's rated. I think he gets I think he gets a lot of praise. I think he gets a lot of love from fans, from, from pundits, from the media. And I am, I, I am a fan of Jensen Butting. I like him. He's a lovely guy. I think he was a very good racing driver. Do I think that, you know, he was overrating in his time or underrating in his time? No, I think he achieved almost what I thought he would achieve. And actually, this might this might be a bit of a sweeping statement. I think that he's that the Brawn opportunity that came around was a kind of a right place, right time, and he beat Barrichello, who was on his last legs in his career. And I think <laughs> it, you know it got, it got shown. Poor Barrichello. So what sorry, Rubens. It's <laughs> still, still going around in Brazilian stock car. You know, I kind of think that he was just the better driver of the two at that moment. And that car just happened to bend the rules the right way. Then it gave him what it did. Um, It's a magic season. It's one of those wonderful sporting seasons. But I do think without that one season, he would just be a race winner. I don't think he'll have ever won a title otherwise. And I think that that world title scenario gives him a lot of extra praise. Um, Yeah, he did have some blinding seasons. He had some blinding races too. You know, that one in Canada that came about, right? Absolutely exceptional Grand Prix, and you're right, Harry, when you said that towards the latter days at McLaren, he did have some belting races. That's why I think he's a very good racer, but I don't think he's underrated. That's for sure. So yeah, for me, Jensen Button, lovely bloke, very good racing driver. He's a solid rated.
2: Yeah, I'll get. Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. I, I know this isn't supposed to be about Rubens Barrichello, but I think 2009 was his best year. I, I resent the last legs comment. Play you game, move on. <laughs>
1: I'm on my last leg of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm am thinking about that. He was pretty good in '99. Was Barrichello, with Stewart? So. Sorry, I thought we were about to jinx the button there. I
0: was like, oh, yeah, no, no, "JP in '99." Oh,
1: he was great, beating out yeah. Bruno <laughs> Chiara for the Williams seat. Yeah, it's quality. Um, <laughs> I, I would probably go rated as well. To be honest, he—he I, I, he hung with every teammate that he had. You know, he did very well against Alonso, which. Other very good drivers can't say the same. He did well against Barrichello, of course. I would agree that he was right place, right time for 2009. But you know what? That that's what that's what counts. You could argue the same thing with with Vettel. He was there at the right time. You could say the same thing with Hamilton. He was there at the right time. It was just with those two instances it happened for much longer. Whereas obviously it was a much smaller window for for Jensen Button. But um, just based on him, it, his overall teammate performance is very good. Um, yeah, I think he's probably about spot on. If he'd have won more championships, could you have said, "Well, did he? Is is he one of the better multiple time champions?" You'd probably go, "No, probably not." As a one time champion, is he? Is he in the midst of maybe in the middle ground somewhere amongst those guys? Yeah, probably. So I, I think he's rated.
0: He is lovely, though. Oh, yeah. He? Like, as a person, yeah, yeah. he is absolutely lovely. And him and DC, I absolutely love them together on the television.
1: They are brilliant. Which one's better, though? There's only one way to find out. No, we, we're not <laughs> organising a fight between Jensen Button no. and, and David Cook. No, it's not. No.
0: Harry Hill, if you are listening to this, I know you're a friend he, of the podcast. He know it. Uh, but you he don't know, know it. it. Please don't sue us for copyright for almost using your famous, co- is it comedy burp, TV burp? TV burp. Yeah.
1: TV um, burp. That's a British, a British reference. TV burp. I think we just need a disclaimer a at the beginning of every episode, just like preempting. we'll need someone not to sue us. So it just save us time, I think. Yeah.
0: If you're if you are not from the UK or not old enough to know what TV burp is, it was a strange. Uh, I would say he was like he was like the first React channel, but <laughs> on the TV where he'd watch clips, sure. take the Mickey out of those clips, and then something would happen in the studio, and there'd always be two weird people that would then have a fake fight before the advert break. He also wore a huge collar. Uh, from a suit. And he's actually a certified doctor. It's a strange, strange thing that went. Yeah, doing.
1: and a weirdly accurate summary. Anyway. Anyway, that was overrated underrated.
0: Overrated, underrated. What answers do we give? What where will they go? Overrated, underrated. What are we shoes come to see the show? Overrated, underrated
1: Gets better with every God, listen Oh, that's a
0: good it is a, that is a top quality jingle. I'd make that the opener of the uh, the album if we ever release one. Uh,
1: who knows? Maybe it could be on the horizon. Who knows? Um, but we've got more important things to see to this weekend, of course. We're going to be back for our last review podcast of the season where we will either be talking about a new world champion in Max Verstappen or we will be talking about a record breaking eighth championship for Lewis Hamilton remains to be seen which one happens. So you'll just have to watch along and listen to us afterwards. But Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. One race remains folks it is
0: going to go down to the wire if any of our bold predictions come true you never know it could be absolutely hectic let us know your bold prediction it's the final time this season you could get one in do it on twitter get to the discord if you are absolutely loving the podcast which so many of you are thank you so much uh, we have got a little patreon link so if you want to support a little bit more there are options in there we'd love to see your support thank you so much for those that already do you are wonderful um yeah joining with the festivities uh, we could be celebrating something truly spectacular this weekend. Um, yeah, join in. Please, please join in. I'm quite... Please. Please. In the... Anyway, in the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage.
2: I've been Ben hockey I've been Harry Hill.
1: And remember, be breaking <laughs> late.
0: This podcast has been very filled with serenity. <laughs> Bye! <laughs>
1: Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going
0: to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now,
2: you want to get mixed up in the family business.
0: Introducing The Godfather at choppacasino.com.